0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Accidental Climber chronicles the summiting of Mount Everest, known as the most grueling and dangerous endeavor even for the most experienced climber. The world's highest mountain is known to torture the mind, the body, and the soul of those who dare to do what few have ever achieved. When 68-year-old great-grandfather Jim Geiger attempts to become the oldest American to summit the peak, what ensued was the worst disaster in mountaineering history. Beginning this epic journey, climbed over 35 years ago at the age of 40, has now ascended more than 14 mountains over 6,500 feet on the West Coast alone, including Mount Whitney, Mount Shasta, and more than 22 times Pyramid Peak in the Sierras. The film is called The Accidental Climber, and we're joined today by the subject of the film, that would be Jim Geiger, as well as the director, and that would be Stephen Orrett. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having us, Mike.
0: You're very welcome. Well, uh, I'll start with you, Stephen, Uh, how did you did you hear about what Jim was going to do? How did you sort of become familiar uh, with this particular um, journey? And then what uh, prompted the documentary film to ensue?
1: The short story is that uh, Jim and I have a, a mutual friend um, that introduced us. Jim met him in Antarctica, uh, of all places. My, our mutual friend was down there as a, as a, a really just a, a tourist going to, to, to uh, visit the South Pole and Jim was down there climbing Mount Vincent the tallest uh, mountain on on Antarctica and they met and um, this guy a few months later said to me I you know I met this really interesting character down in Antarctica and he, I think he's he's trying to do something pretty exceptional uh, you know, to be the, the oldest American I, I just found him to be extremely uh, Authentic, and so um, he said, "You know, if you want, I'll put you guys in touch." And 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 he set up a call, and we spoke. And Jim was uh, Jim was Jim. He was very kind and affable. And I said, "You know, I, I'm in Los Angeles, but I'd love to fly up to Sacramento and you know, take you to dinner and, uh, and chat a little bit." And he said, "Come on up." So I, I did. A few days later, and we went to dinner, and I think uh, with ten minutes into the dinner, I, I was sold on uh, making a, a film about Jim, because I just found him to be extremely, uh, as my our <laughs> mutual friend had said, authentic and inspirational. Uh, but m- like more thoroughly, he there's just no pretense there. He doesn't try to be these things. He's just being he was just he's just he just he's Jim. And um, I found that to be very refreshing, and, and was confident that that uh, it was somebody that we could make a film about. And so I asked him if we could, and he uh, agreed and I said I'll do it on one condition I promise you know, not to encumber your, your process in, in any way and I, you know I don't want you to change at all what you're doing We'll work around you and uh, and he was kind enough to let us do it
0: well, you come Jim Geiger comes across that way in the film as a very um, unencumbered kind of very all on the surface in terms of his you're an affable man Jim Geiger and i I can imagine. That uh, And you seem like a person who uh, has got a certain level of determination once you commit yourself to something. But what did you think when when Stephen approached you and at at dinner asked you about uh, essentially documenting your journey here? What was your first thought?
2: Well, there was, of course, a a little bit of apprehension because I'd never been in a movie before and so I didn't know what to expect. But uh, the more I spent time with Steve, the it just kind of unfolded, and I was uh, swept up in the in the um, experience. But I just kept doing what I was doing, and he filmed it as it, as it was taking place. So they, as he said, he never got in my way. It was always a very comfortable experience, uh, and uh, I really enjoyed it. After a while, because I was looking forward to having him up, I really enjoyed his company and. <laughs> It was just it became a really fun thing to do, um, and then of course the as we're uh, ending uh, the experience here in Sacramento and going on to Everest, uh, then then the uh, it, 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 well everything began because then I'm on the mountain I've got i got to get this done and then the whole process started to unfold, and we had uh, the videographer Tom Pollard along with with me and and. Um, I, just, I was just taking one step at a time trying to get to the Everest base camp and all the way to the top.
0: Well, uh, as I said in the introduction, you were, is it fair to call you an experienced mountaineer, an uh, experienced climber? I mean, if, is that fair?
2: No, yeah, because I, I, by that time, when I was 68, uh, at that point in time, I already had been climbing 28 years uh, various places. I just never climbed anything that big. I had been to Denali, I'd been to Aconcagua, I'd been to Elbrus, I'd been to Kilimanjaro. um, And then we, so I had that experience behind me, kind of knowing what to expect. uh, And just uh, Everest threw us a little curveball uh, with the avalanche, which just stopped the whole process. But I was ready to go uh, after I fully acclimated a few days after the avalanche.
0: Well, was Everest always. I mean, was it always something that you had in your mind as far as uh, wanting to ascend Mount Everest?
2: No, and that's, that's part of the uh, interesting process that I went through, because I I was happy just doing Whitney and Shasta every year. And then, of course, my uh, the guides that I had gone with, uh, the, the guide that I went with on um, Rainier when I turned 50, uh, said, hey, why don't you come to Kilimanjaro with us? And I... Oh, yes. And then he said, how about Mount Everest in Russia? Yes. Uh, how about uh, where's Everest in Mexico? Yes. And so that, the mountain was was an excuse to go to some incredible places, and I love that part of it. And I just never had a thought ever doing Everest. Uh, I did go to Everest Base Camp in 2001 with him, and he said, yeah, come on, we're going we're gonna to go to Everest Base Camp. You want to come along? I was fine with that, and I saw <laughs> the members there that were doing uh, the climb of Everest. And I said, well, I'll never be able to do that, nor do I even want to do that. <laughs> well, then, then uh, time passes along, and I've got Aconcagua, I've got Denali, I've got, oh my God, i got five of the seven summits. Well, let's go. Uh, and then, in Vincent, I, I, I failed on the first attempt of Vincent, and I thought, oh, this is all over now. I'd never, go to, never be able to afford to go back to Vincent or ever to <laughs> Everest until I met my sponsor. And that and that began the journey to Everest. Yeah. I said yes. I've been saying yes to all these mountains. And Everest was just another yes. Yeah.
0: Well, well, Stephen Oret, l- let's talk a little bit about the logistics. I mean, obviously, this is a daunting exercise for an experienced climber. What is it like for a, a filmmaker to try and document and, and maybe back up a half a step? What was your preparation like for you? to be a part of this? And then how is it in terms of just the logistics of trying to document what Jim Geiger was was, was trying to do?
1: My, my preparation, uh, like personally, physically, or preparation for the filmmaking, or both? Oh, I mean,
0: you, I, there, I assume you had to go through some degree of physical preparation for this? What yeah, I
1: mean, I'm a, I'm a fairly fit guy. I, I had, you know, I, I ran a marathon uh, probably Three or four years prior to to working with jim um I'll probably never run a marathon again i mean i'm not that fit but uh, um, i you know i i i'm gonna have it runner and so when we started with jim you know it was um about a, a ten months out from from the uh the, the departure date uh and he was doing some fairly rigorous hikes he had 80 pounds of weights in his in his pack and you know I had a camera and, and so it, it was kind of evened out um, but I quickly learned that that I, I had to also climb the mountains fast if I wanted to get a shot of Jim's face because otherwise uh, yeah. you know I, I was only filming from behind so I would have to um, run up ahead of him uh, get far enough ahead of him so that I could you know compose the shot get everything set and then let him walk through the shot and go by yeah. and then, uh, and then, you know, do it, do it all over again. So it was a pretty steep learning curve. Um, I, I did get fit pretty, you know, we're more fit pretty quickly. And uh, I should also say that, you know, which point out that I, I'm not a mountaineer. I don't have a mountaineering background. I wasn't looking to do a film about mountaineering per se. I've always been really interested in, uh, in, 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 Everest as more, you know, as, as anyone really is in kind of a, a just a peripheral fan way, you know, I, I decided early on that I was not going to be climbing to the summit of Everest. Uh, I, my, my wife and I decided that together along with uh, our unborn child and that was not going to be uh, going higher than base camp. And um, we hired a high altitude cinematographer uh, who had been on the mountain before making a film before. You know, all I had to do was get to base camp, uh, which which was difficult. But, um, you know, Tom, Tom was really the, the guy that was going to be putting his his life, you know, at risk, and um, wow. that's something that you have to, you know, address and and, and talk about early on. And uh, there's just, you know, there's a massive amount of preparation really with with uh, any film, um, but when you're up there, uh, obviously, there you know, it, there's even more, and you know, the elements uh, are pretty much the, you know, tell. Draw the parameters of what you can and can't do and i guess you know i like to sort of tell the story that one of the first uh high altitude cinematographers that we reached out to who wasn't available because he was working on the everest feature film uh said you know i was like well, what's it like you know equipment wise what should we have a lot of redundancy a lot of cameras he said yeah, well, do me a favor. Take your camera tonight after we get off the phone and put it in your freezer and leave it in there overnight. And then we're come back down and open your freezer and, and take a look at your camera and try and turn it on and see how well it works. And he said, You know, that's what you're going to be dealing with. So I was like, Okay, yep, all right, got it.
0: Yeah, and as you mentioned, just getting to base camp was not exactly a stroll in the park, right? It's a it's an arduous journey just to get to base camp, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, base camp is is roughly eighteen thousand feet, and um, it's uh, it, it, we did it in twelve days. Uh, once we got up around twelve thousand feet, I really started to suffer because um, you know we were filming while we were going. Fortunately, you know, uh, was prepared. And, and IMG, the group that we went with, that Jim went with, and it was very well prepared. And obviously, you know, I dealt with this stuff, and 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 um, I had taken some uh, medication with me called Diamox. That's a, an altitude drug. And within, I would say, twelve hours of taking Diamox, um, our next day was a rest day, and I I was just you know I turned around. And I was totally so much better, and, and was able to. to keep going but uh it's a a harsh harsh environment and if the altitude doesn't get you you know there's a lot of uh bugs around there you know that uh that'll get you and and, you know our uh, my producer john that went with us got a really bad uh, stomach flu and and was you know uh (laughs) pretty much the the last two days on the way up to, to to base camp was was uh really sick, vomiting, all, and, and uh, just had a hard time, but he got there. Um, so it, it's a harsh environment.
0: Uh, just depriving the body of oxygen will do a lot of unusual things to you, so I can imagine. Um, before we go any further, I wanna remind our listeners, we're speaking with the director, uh, as well as the subject of a documentary film called the, called Accidental Climber, and the director is Stephen Orrit, and we're speaking with also the subject, and that's Jim Geiger. Well, Jim, I'm gonna, Jim, I'm gonna um, ask you a little bit about. Uh, Steven was just talking about the struggles of getting to base camp and 18,000 feet. I mean, just sounds like you might as well be on the moon, as far as I'm concerned. That's that is an amazing uh, height to be at, and knowing that you had several thousand feet more to go. But you also struggled w- with your um, with your health getting to that point. Um, and just briefly, if you would, just sort of how you were able to overcome. That part of your your journey here because it, it was, uh, you were in what looked like to be pretty ragged shape at some point during that journey.
2: Well, yeah, Mike, that was the, uh, the, the slowness of the acclimation process that I was frustrated with. It wasn't happening as fast as I was used to. You know, earlier in my life, it w- wasn't an issue. Uh, at 68, it became an issue. But my body was just a little bit slower adapting, and I was uh, not happy with that. But having having looked back now, I can see where I just need to be more patient. And eventually, I did acclimate to where I was very happy with it. And but by that time, the mountain was going to be closed. The next, actually, the next day, it closed. And had I been uh, able to go, I've, I'm fully confident I would have made the summit, because I was feeling really good. Uh, on the twenty fourth of of April, and when the avalanche happened on the eighteenth, but we had to leave the mountain on the twenty fifth. But yes, it is a difficult process, and I just needed the more I needed more time than uh, I, I would have had if I had been twenty years younger. So mm-hmm. it was an issue that you can very well see in the movie.
0: Well, let's talk about you mentioned the avalanche, and this was a. And in 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 not a good way, an historic event that took place. There were about there was a pretty large group of climbers. I don't remember the exact number. If you can help me out with how many, go ahead. Twenty-five. 25 25 climbers and then uh and then a lot of sherpas which the sherpas are the nepalese who would who will accompany the climbers they bring the supplies they have the they know the history and the routes and all kinds of different very valuable information that you need as well as the guides who are part of the is that the international mountaineering group
2: is that right International Mountain Guides is the company that I was with. Yes,
0: International Ma- Mountain Guides Group. Sure. And so you're ascending this part of the, just outside base camp, and something tr- horrible happens. There's an avalanche, and 16 people are killed. Most of them Sherpas, and uh, just all, what all, it them di- them. all all of them were yeah. Sherpas.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: all okay. Thank you. And all of them were Sherpas. That must have been uh, an incredibly devastating, not only fraught with danger, but also emotionally and psychologically devastating event. Tell us a little bit about your reaction to what happened, Jim.
2: Well, I had been in the, uh, in the icefall the day before, climbed up about halfway, and I needed to turn back. Uh, I just wasn't uh, feeling well because of the acclimation uh, process. But then uh, the next morning uh, at 620, Uh, is when we heard this avalanche. And we've been hearing avalanches all the time. But this one was different because all of a sudden all the radio started going off and we knew something had happened. So we all headed to the mess tent uh, to get the latest. And then we started hearing that they were finding dead bodies uh, in this horrific avalanche. And so the reports kept coming back and coming back about more people they were finding. And then we heard the helicopters coming in uh, to... To rescue or to bring back the ones that were that they could recover, and then to bring the ones that they needed to uh, uh, pick up and that were dead, they had to bring them back to base camp. So that was going on while we were watching, and I could only watch five of the dead bodies being flown back from the fault to the base camp. And I had enough. It was just I, I couldn't watch anymore. And then then we're all in, in a holding pattern. We didn't. Know what was going to happen? And we're all pretty uh, fraught. I mean, I was I was pretty much uh, very emotional about this and because that could have been some of our guys in there. We had a team right below, the Sherpa team, that uh, got some of the ice um, crystals coming down but they didn't get the ice blocks that came down. And we had another team at, at uh, Camp One. So the guides from both of those teams went to the area of the avalanche and rescued the ones they could rescue and recovered the ones that needed to recover. And um, then the next day was then, now what? And that's when the companies were talking, the Sherpa were kind of interested in closing the mountain and uh, eventually the the decision was made to not desecrate the site where the three bodies were never recovered, not to go through there and so the mountain was closed.
0: Right, well for you, Stephen, you know not only on as a filmmaker but on a personal level when you got word of this i'm curious about your reaction to uh to what what your reaction was
1: well i was in los angeles um at the time with um one of the film producers film producer john Wynn, and john and i were supposed to be flying to katmandu about a week later to uh to then meet up with jim at base camp when they started some of the the higher uh, cycles up up the mountain because you know jim it, it takes a few weeks for them to acclimate and they stay uh lower down for for you know, the first few weeks and then move higher so that we were going to be there around the time that some of the first summit attempts were uh you know hope, hopefully going to, to be achieved uh the avalanche happened on the 18th there in the morning. It was actually the the night of the 17th uh, in LA, and I remember we, we got a call from um, our high altitude cinematographer Tom Pollard, who was over there with Jim documenting uh, everything until, until we got over. And you know we were just uh, we were in shock. We turned on the news and saw it, and you know it was. It was um, it was happening very fluidly and, you know, not all of the information uh, came out at first and, you know, it, it, um, it ultimately ended up being 16 people and 16 Sherpas, and as Jim mentioned, uh, three of them weren't recovered, but we, uh, John and I decided that we needed to be there because we, you know, at that point we didn't know um, what was going to happen, what, whether the mountain was going to be closed or opened. and uh, what what Jim was going to do what what the film was going to be but we uh we got on a a plane the next day and flew to Kathmandu on the 19th uh and um arrived on the 20th and uh and then um hiked in you know uh, flew to Lukla and then and then did the hike up to to um to base camp uh but it was you know it it, it was very um visceral i could tell just from from talking to jim and talking to tom how uh, you know, it, it was an awful scene clearly that happened over there and uh mm-hmm. you know you never you don't want to think selfishly uh as as a as a filmmaker when you know you're um covering something that that is a, you know there's a fine line between being exploitive having integrity and showing showing you know some the, the truth of what's happening but we, we decided to go over there not really knowing what was going to be there. And, um, fortunately, you know, as, as evidenced in the film, we were able to, uh, keep the, the storyline, um, going and, and were welcomed into a few uh, homes of, of the deceased uh, Sherpa yeah. and we able to, uh, get some really powerful and, and beautiful insight in, into, uh, you know just um what the tragedy and these weren't all climbers you know a few of them were were were, were cooks uh, they call them you know high, high camp cooks and they uh only have to make two trips through the ice fall once on the way up you know as the, as the season is starting and then once on the way down um after all of the summits have have, have happened and unfortunately you know just on on this this one uh First attempt up with by this group. Uh, that's when when the when the avalanche hit, and and uh, just uh, obviously an, an awful awful tragedy. So.
0: Right. There is a part of the film that follows, which is really about the Nepalese, uh, the relationship that they have to not only to the mountain, but also to this ongoing enterprise of people coming there to to climb, and. And the treatment of those people who literally risk their lives every every season to uh, to assist these people who climb up the hill and um, climb up the mountain, and so there is that part of the film which I that sort of it has this coda to the film in terms of Jim's adventure, Jim's uh, expedition up there that I really humanizes uh, a lot of what happened on, and during you know from the avalanche and. And after that, that I think is a, is an important part of the film as well. And uh, gosh, thank you uh, so much. First, the film, again, is Accidental Climber, and it will be available August 11th, and then it will be available on the, uh, all the platforms, I assume the usual suspects, in terms of VOD and digital on demand, uh, beginning on August 11th. So you should be looking for it, Accidental Climber. And we have been talking with the director, and that would be Stephen Orrit as well as the subject of the film, the very affable and, and entertaining uh, Jim Geiger. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much uh, to both of you for spending some time with us here on Film School Radio. And all the best to you, Jim. Uh, well, anymore? thank you, Mike.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Keep on keeping on. And and to you, Stephen, thank you so well, much Mike, for your work here. very it's much. really thank you.
2: appreciate it. Appreciate it very much, Mike.